Hey, welcome back, everybody. Welcome to episode eight of Millennial Light. This is Matt Smith and my co-host, Zach Morrison. Zach, what are we talking about today? Interested to bring you some topics on social media, how millennials are winning, and the pound button is extinct. Welcome in, everyone. This is Zach Morrison with Millennial Light Podcast, and of course, my co-host to my left, Matt Smith. Good morning, everyone. Happy to have you here on board with us today. Make sure you follow us on social media. If you've seen the video clip, at Millennial Light on Instagram and on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter at the Millennial Light. We're looking to build our social media following, and we're looking to build our listening audience. So make sure you comment, like, subscribe, and go ahead and include anything that you want to hear on the podcast. We'll make sure we talk about it. Matt, where can we find you on social media? What are your personal profiles? So my personal Instagram is mmsmith4191. And then Facebook, you can find me at Mackenzie Matthew or my business profile, Matthew M. Smith Real Estate Services. I'm also on Pinterest and Twitter as mmsmith4191 as well. MM Smith 4191. What a yes. brand. What a brand. What a brand you've created for yourself. It stuck out with me. <laughs> Unintentionally so. And of course, I'll let you know my Instagram is at Zach Morrison. Z A C K M O R S O N. Very unique <coughs> spelling. Straight to the point. Ignore this guy right here. Facebook, you can find me, Zach Morrison. YouTube, of course. Twitter, Pinterest, I haven't gotten on there yet. You know, we I just got on there. And one thing we didn't mention was Snapchat. So I believe that's the case because Snapchat's dead. I think it is. I mean, I don't hardly go on there at all anymore. And I think they kind of pissed off Facebook. Facebook created Facebook and Instagram stories. And that was basically Snapchat. So I know their valuation isn't good. I know their IPO didn't go very well. So I think you're right. When Vine first came on, actually the way wow. I found out about Vine was the death of Vine. When Instagram <laughs> released that they could, you could post video clips. What a way to find out about them. Just sad story, sad, sad story. I, I found out from their funeral. And Snapchat's on that, on that way. Funny enough, when I go on Snapchat, what I see is a, an entire different uh, user. So mm -hmm. pretty much, I feel like either you're posting on Snapchat, you know when it comes to like the day-to-day -day stories, you're either posting on Snapchat or IG story. It's hard to do both. It is hard to do both. And just kind of to your point, I think I think Twitter is kind of big on the West Coast. And I have a feeling Snapchat might be that way too because a lot of the people that I see in the sponsored posts on Snapchat are from the West Coast. So it may be something that's kind of bigger out there than it is over here. You know, that's a great point. Up in the Northeast, you see, I feel like a lot of Twitter use, on the mm -hmm. West Coast Twitter use also, either is skip my grade and yeah. you know my high school class while we were in Same high school here. with Twitter or we just don't use it here in the southeast I mean I know people that go on there for like news and like jokes and that kind of stuff but I don't think it's as widely used I mean I think everybody on the west coast is tweeting I feel like it's just a big thing like nothing happens unless you tweet it kind of thing and I don't feel that that's here maybe that's just us like you said <laughs> well yeah I haven't reached celebrity status I'm not sure if I want to that, that every celebrities under the microscope, but every celebrity seems to use Twitter. It's a way for them to get their message directly out to the people. So if you have a hard time you know, getting the truth out, or at least your side mm -hmm. of the truth in some cases, or just want to be able to connect with the people. But from a day-to-day -day use as an average Joe here on Millennial Light, definitely 
Facebook and Instagram. Instagram more. I don't even use Facebook as much. I use it for business. That's about it. I I'm really think that Facebook is starting to fade out. It's becoming our parents' social yeah, media platform at this sure. point, and even grandparents. For sure. You know, that's where you're seeing the, the awkward selfies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People telling you what they ate for lunch, and not in like the aesthetic way that you see on Instagram, but just like a picture of a paper plate with like leftovers on there. Yeah, which is interesting. I might have posted a few of those <laughs> when I first got on Instagram before I really realized how it worked. So where can we find you, Millennial Light listeners, on social media? Do you participate on Twitter? I mean, we have all accounts, except we don't have a Pinterest yet. Mm, we'll get on that. Yeah, Matt, you're figure, really yeah. pioneering Pinterest. I, I just got on there. I just figured out what it is. So I'll get us. I'll get us on there. I don't know exactly what we'd post, but I'll get us on there. You know, it might be a better way for us to engage with our female audience. It could be. Although I don't know if it is just female anymore. I know when it first came out, that was kind of the you know connotation of it. But I feel like it's not like that anymore. I feel like it's just uh, another platform that you know, as a business or as a brand, you have to interact with. So, well, from what I hear, that there's great do-it-yourself projects on mm -hmm. Pinterest if you're looking for recipes <laughs> so a recent a recent family that I helped move into a house it was great it was like a running joke that the that the male you know the husband mm -hmm. has been on Pinterest lately oh. looking for do-it-yourself projects and like ways, and that's where he goes for it and that's where you go for those type of things it's Pinterest so maybe when I decide to take on some do-it-yourself projects I'll go on Pinterest that's where you'll go I'm a pretty good cook, but when I want to cook something new, I Google a recipe. Pinterest is one of the ones that comes up. See, you know where I, if, if I want to find food to make for meal prep, you know where I go? I go to Instagram. Do you? I do. I go to Instagram now to, to find different meals for, for meal prep. So maybe I'll try Pinterest. That's not a bad idea. Because yeah. I've heard that's what it is. I've heard it's kind of a search engine for, um, for images. Kind of like maybe like Instagram is now. I don't know. Well, YouTube is a huge search engine. It is. I mean, it's great that you can literally Google anything and for those that you don't know I think most everybody does mm -hmm. YouTube is owned by Google so that's why the videos always come up in the searches on Google YouTube is a great place to get information tutorials of course music videos I mean anything, anything and everything yeah it's great but when you're on YouTube are you using it to interact with folks the, do you see it as a social platform I think it is I don't use it that way I'm definitely not using it the way that it may be, you know, kind of intended to be used now. I use it to learn stuff. I use it to watch tutorial videos or, you know, how to, how to do something, usually in like Excel or a computer program. But no, I really don't. I don't use it to interact very much, probably not as much as I should. YouTube has a live feature now. So there's, there's channels that do live broadcasting, like Chill Hop Radio is, mm -hmm. is a great radio station for background music and noise while you're, while you're doing work. So they have, they have a live stream that will go with just constant music. And what I'll see is it's a running chat along the right side where people are commenting. Oh, within it. Within it. And what I see is that's where the interaction is happening. But then, of course, people who actually get comments on their YouTube channel, mm -hmm. listeners, get us some comments on, on our YouTube channel, Millennial Light. You can listen to the podcast there. We'll keep a lookout for you. <laughs> Users interact directly with the producer of the content. Yeah. Social media is huge when starting a business, I feel like. So we'll, we'll just touch on a few more things in social media before we jump on to the next topic. Social media as far as big business and small business. What do you usually see on social media? Small to mid-size, I think it's huge for that area. I think it's definitely something that not enough of them are doing for whatever reason, they don't have time, they don't know. You know, you, you may not have time running a business. 
larger, I'm starting to see more of. Like I was talking to Zach um, a few hours ago, actually. Disney, I've started to see interact more with people. And hospitals like Orlando Health and Advent Health, I've started to see interact with, with more people on social media. I believe you had said Google is starting to interact with people as well. So I think we're starting to see it more with large businesses, but I definitely think it's more important for small to mid-size because you can actually interact with your customer base. Small to mid-size businesses, you can also build the brand right. a lot faster and a lot more cost-effective when it comes to either paying somebody to put out content, paying a social media marketing agency to handle your content, maybe your audience mm -hmm. uh, management, interacting with users. And then from a standpoint of, like just like you said, being able to, uh, whether it's a negative review that was just posted and the owner can directly interact with that person. Right. Also, you get a behind the scenes picture on Instagram of what it's like to run a small business. And most people have dreams of running their own small business. So it's a perfect insight to, one, is this for me? Two, is this a, a brand that I can get behind? And do I want to purchase with them? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. As a small to mid-sized business, it does. It allows you to, to be one-on-one -on -one with the customer and it allows for the customer to kind of see behind the scenes as a business, which is pretty cool. That's one reason that millennials are winning is from social media. Absolutely. It's a, it's a really big point that social, that social media has allowed young people to build a brand for one, to get the message out to the marketplace at an effective cost and that one way that may cost you time rather than money. How are some ways that you think millennials are winning here in 2019? I think social media is huge. I think a lot of it is around social media and I think a lot of it is around businesses are adapting to millennial customers. You know, you have influencers. You want to be an influencer? Do I want to be an influencer? Yeah. I'm not sure that I do. I, I do and I don't. What about you? I mean, I think it's an interesting way to make potentially a lot of money. You know, I don't necessarily want to be one, but I think, you know, you have your Kylie Jenners, you have people who, to be quite honest with you, I probably don't even know their name, but, you know, they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just for posting stuff. So, I mean, that's pretty cool, and that's definitely created a market that didn't exist before. It allows somebody that may not have any technical skills beyond, you know, a large audience that they can monetize being able to make a lot of money, and it's something that didn't exist before. I read a book on, on Instagram influencer just to get the, the mindset and mm -hmm. really the idea of what it goes in and that it's an actual career for people and it's a career for marketing agencies to get influencers material. So yeah. Brittany Hennessy wrote a book and I, I read it, gave it a good skim. It gave me some great insight and I think that was the deciding factor that I don't want to be an influencer. <laughs> the book did its job then. It did, it did its job. Mm -hmm. I mean, for one, it's pretty awesome that you can get paid like 15 grand to post something. Now, yeah. Of course, like Kylie Jenner is probably getting yeah. close to two or 300 grand. I think she's closer to a million now. For one post, for which one is post. amazing. Yeah. So it takes a lot of work. It's one of those things to wear on the surface. I think it looks great because, yeah, you know, I get to post pictures. Uh, I get to just interact with technology, my phone and people on Instagram. But when it comes down to it, that's not really what I want to do with my day to day. Hobbies are great, but when it comes to job, it takes on a different feel. It does. It takes on a different feel, and there's there's other things that can happen. You post the wrong picture, you say the wrong thing. Now you have this huge audience that's seen it. You've become an authority figure. Now you have a you know a bad name in particular circles. You can lose that audience very quickly, as we've seen in recent instances. So I think you're right. I don't think it's something that you know. I particularly would want to do as a job, but it's definitely something that's unique to the millennial generation. Yeah, word to the 
listeners out there, don't go to college to be an influencer. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> don't take on that student debt to become an influencer, but you may be able to pay for your college. Yeah, off a couple posts. By being an influencer, which is another way that millennials are winning. Get mm -hmm. educated, use the tools that we already have around us to get ahead in life. Now, YouTube channels are a great way that millennials are winning also. I mean, how awesome is it that you can go ahead, become a personality, Justin Bieber, yeah. Got discovered on YouTube. He got discovered on YouTube. What's the gamer guy that's big on YouTube? Ninja? Is that him? Yeah. He's huge on YouTube, and he makes, you know, I think close to a million dollars a year just off of his YouTube revenue. That's without sponsorships or anything else. And that is an interesting point that you bring up with YouTube. YouTube is kind of the forefront for this whole video gaming as a sport kind of kind of nature, and it's creating that, which is pretty cool to watch. You know, I didn't even think about it until you just said it, but millennials are definitely winning. It might be Generation Z that's really coming it up on be, this. Actually, we really might have missed be. the boat on professional I think we might game. Have, but we're going to give credit to millennials. Yeah, we'll give. We're the pioneers. We laid the path. Absolutely. Back in the '80s, when Michael Jordan was winning championships, <laughs> they weren't getting paid nearly as much money as LeBron is today. Mm -hmm. No, the salaries. The salaries are real these days. So we're paving the way for Generation Z. Good job, Matt. <laughs> A couple of other ways that we're winning in the marketplace, working remote. What a great way, learn skills, and then choose your destination of where right. you wanna work. And those skills, if they're technical skills on the computer, maybe you're a programmer, whatever the case is. I see millennials taking jobs in places like the Philippines, Thailand, mm -hmm. different exotic right. locations where you can work from anywhere if you have an internet connection. You're right, that, and that's a great point, Zach, is that whatever skill set you have or skill set you develop or want to develop, you know, have the opportunity to sell and market that skill all over the world, which is something that not even 10 years ago we really had the access to as just an average person. But if you're, like you said, if you're a good typist or maybe like administrative stuff or graphic design, you can now sell that skill or market that skill all over the world fairly easily. So that's definitely something we've changed. We've opened up the marketplace. And because of that, the work models have changed with big corporations right. and big business. So you have different companies that are reducing the amount of office space they have for one, maybe because the employees allowed to work from home two or three days a week. Right, they so, don't need all that space. So you don't need all that space. You don't have to be as comfortable at your workstation because you're gonna be in the office two days a week. You don't have as much stuff, right? All the mm -hmm. knickknacks, the pictures, everything that, that people used to have in their office to make them feel like they were at home. Now people are just working from home. So Zach, another way that I think millennials are really winning and kind of changing the market is environmental or green efforts. You know, charities and stuff like that. What is your thoughts on that? It's, it's phenomenal that, first off, millennials are winning. Because if you go out and Google millennials, all these yeah. apathetic posts are going to come up and hate, 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 hate. You know, hate, we're here hate, to reverse hate, it. Hate. Millennials are winning. We're actually looking to fix many of the green problems, the environmental problems mm -hmm. that generations before us caused. Now, not to their not to their discredit because a lot of people really didn't know. The studies mm -hmm. wasn't there. The science wasn't there. So when you have companies that are producing, I mean like Tesla and Elon Musk, they have this, this solar roof that's coming available. I hear that it's already out. I haven't done a ton of research on it lately, but that's amazing. So you have a company that is willing to provide roofs that will power the, the mm -hmm. home that you're living in. Now, when you have people that are willing to support that, I feel like it's the millennial generation that is, that's, it's younger, we're more apt to change in ideas, different things that are gonna help for one, reduce our costs, Mm -hmm. So it might be a little bit bigger upfront cost with the roof, but in the long run, you're saving power. You're not, it's one less bill to pay. Right. 
And there's a lot of companies doing stuff like that, and it's not just in the environmental or green effort area. And that brings up a great point is that millennials are driving that, and because of that, companies are adapting their products to us. Like you have things like Uber, you have things like Lyft, you have companies like WeWork that are changing you know, the workspace. Co-work space is huge now because you just don't need you know, all this square footage per worker because you can work from home. And uh, to be quite honest, I don't think a lot of millennials want that traditional you know, nine to five, 40 hour a week office job where you, know, you may or may not have a cubicle, you may or may not have an office. I think a lot of people are just as happy having a co-work space and being able to work from home two or three days a week. I love it that companies are adapting to us, products are adapting to us, supply chain management mm -hmm. as far as Amazon goes, uh, that's changing. It's changing everything, but it's changing because that's what the large consumer base, which is millennials and younger people, that's what they want. It is. It is exactly what we want. I mean, we want convenience. Now, this may be a weakness of ours because it's going to allow us to spend a little bit more, but hey, that American mm -hmm. economy is driven by sales. It is. It's doing great. And when you can get more products at an affordable price, hey, mm -hmm. I may not need that extra phone holder, actually, that I'm about to send back because it didn't work real well. <laughs> but hey, 10 bucks, it's almost to the point where like it's such an affordable product and it's convenient and it, it's safer. Because at that point, it is. I'm not holding my phone when looking for directions. Actually, right. it gets to hold my phone for me. You don't have to worry me, about it. Get me safely to my destination. We're going to move on some products and things in this marketplace or just in our life that are now extinct. First up, the pound button. Now known as the hashtag. Now known as the hashtag. I guarantee you if you talk to people that are younger, maybe a younger sibling or a cousin, and you say, oh, just dial the pound sign, they're not gonna know what you're talking about because now it's known as the hashtag. They're gonna have no idea. It's funny, a lot of products, I mean, like you take a VHS tape. Mm, that's another That's another one right there. Now, of course, we're you're gonna have our parents coming to us to us, oh, I remember the days of eight tracks. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't think anybody wanted those in their life. I mean, no, the, probably not. Now, the, the records and the record players, those are super cool. Those are one thing that is actually coming back. Mm -hmm. now, they're not as readily as available, except, you know, if you're in the DJ space. I know a lot of DJs like to spin off records or play records in general. It's very trendy now, too. People put it on Instagram because it's super, you know, aesthetic. You can put it on. And, you know, the music does sound, it has like a richer and a deeper sound. Mm -hmm. But you're definitely right. Records are coming back. You can get a record player at, at Target now for like a hundred and something dollars. So really? it's super cheap. Yeah. Uh, if it's trendy, Target has it. Target's got so, it. Target is on the millennial trendy train. They have planted the flag on record players for being trendy. They have. When it comes to listening to music, radios and in my life is extinct. I don't well, know about transition. yours. It's transition. Now you have like Spotify radio or Pandora radio. And even that, I think people are kind of transitioning now to listening to podcasts or listening to their own playlists that they curate or even just curated playlists that somebody else made rather than the radio. You have to. I mean, but it's transitioned. There, there's one piece of radio that I like, but it's replaced by a podcast. I like talk radio in the morning because some right. of the shows, I mean, they're hilarious. They like, are, yeah. You know, some guys have great chemistry. Some some groups like The Breakfast Club, I mean, mm -hmm. phenomenal. They're, now, take for what it's worth, they've done a long time to build that chemistry, but right. I also don't want to listen to them every day. So that's where I get to throw on a podcast. Like Millennial Light comes out once a week. Mm -hmm. So once a week, of 
course, I'm going to listen to our own podcast. That's what you can listen to. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And real quick, Zach, I want to get this one out of the way because we covered it last week. I know that you are not a cord cutter. What about cable TV? Cable TV, you're gone. I just got my new bill when they opened my is package. It done? Oh, my God. It's outrageous. They, just, <laughs> they showed me one prize and they hit me with some fees on top of oh, it. Oh, no. Of course, because they don't show you the fees oh, when they no. tell you to open your package. So are you going to cut? I'm, I'm done. Very I'm done. nice. Actually, okay, you know so what? It's on the to-do list for today. So cable TV, I don't necessarily think cable TV has been eliminated yet, but I think it's definitely on the way to kind of like radio, maybe a transition, you know, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, because there's still a ton of people who are going to, right. to and just have cable. To a point, like I had this conversation with my mom um, a couple of days ago, and we're getting her a new TV. We're going to get her you know, a smart TV that has access to, to all the apps, and to her credit, she's done very well with, with Amazon and, and Roku and all of that, but she still wants... PBS and I'm like mom PBS is not going to be on like a major YouTube TV or package like that You can watch it on the app. Well, I don't want to watch it on the app Well, it's gonna to get to the point where that's gonna be your only option So a lot of these cable things like that aren't going to transition just because there's not enough viewership for them That makes a lot of sense uh, For a second I completely forgot about PBS. <laughs> <laughs> you can't forget about PBS <laughs> Cannot. Cannot. And the thing is is that those platforms still exist largely on on transi- uh, traditional radio like WUCF that's PBS for here and that still largely exists on like the traditional radio model as well I haven't listened to their programming in so long you know probably since I was a kid I'm sure that many of the messages are elsewhere on different platforms I'm sure they are now it's, it's just like anything else who do you want to listen to that they are the narrative mm-hmm. for the message that messages that you're going to be hearing. Well, it sounds to me like if they want to stay in the marketplace, largely in the marketplace, they they need to have somebody kind of get them on social media and get them on, you know, apps and other things like that that'll allow other people to not only watch them but to have them be picked up by these, you know, these streaming services. I think that's definitely something that they're going to need to do if they want to not only stay relevant but stay in existence. I have a a very Great feeling that the same viewers who are watching PBS also have house phones. Yeah, probably, which is another thing that is dead, I think. <laughs> They're dead. Uh, AT&T, uh, uh, just drop the name. You're out. I outed you, <laughs> AT&T. You're the ones who raised my bill. You're the ones getting cut. I'm keeping your internet. Internet's fantastic. You offered me a house phone for an additional $10. I declined. <laughs> you declined. I declined. I mean, who's going to call my house except for telemarketers now? That's I, who does it, is telemarketers. They do. I'm in real estate. I do some prospecting, and more times than not, if I'm getting a hold of somebody... It's on the house phone. It's on the house phone, mm-hmm. which is another reason why I'm not getting one. Yep, it's on the house phone. What about retail, Zach? How do you see retail transitioning? We talked about it already when it comes to Amazon. Retail stores, you see these vacant malls, these mm-hmm. massive spaces that have become a ghost town almost to an extent when you walk in one. It's almost it's kind of like sketchy. post-apocalyptic. It does. Yeah, the retail apocalypse. <laughs> that's, that's what it is right there. I, I went to the movies the other day in Artagon Theaters. Mm-hmm. And so the theater itself is still open. It's attached to, I forget. Festival I think, Bay. Is that the name that of the mall? That was the original name of the mall. And there's still a movie theater there, I believe. Ron John Surf Shop and Bass Pro Shop. Is that it, the one that you're talking about? It is. I don't know if yeah. it's Bass Pro Shop. It's some type of outdoor sporting goods Yeah, store. It's, it's Bass Pro Shop. I go there many okay, times. Okay. That, actually, those are the... Uh, uh, in commercial real estate, you call them anchor tenants. Those are the three anchor tenants that are actually keeping that place in existence. It's the movie theater, the Ron Johns, and the Bass Pro Shop. So, <laughs> There is a part of me that misses going to the mall and be able to pick up everything. Because I don't like to grab everything online. There are some mm-hmm. things that I do want to get in person. And also, 
I mean, I'm a little late to the change of just going online and grabbing it. For one, like, I'm not a big fan of returning things. I like yeah. to make the purchase and then just have it. Right. So in that sense, I do miss the malls a little bit. Don't miss the outrageous prices. Uh, but crowds. Crowds. Eh, you know, I'm tall, so I get fresh oxygen above the crowd, yeah, so I'm not too worried point. about it. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about JCPenney, Sears, those stores are going out of business. They are Sears, big box stores. Yeah, many of Sears have already filed for bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, and why do you think that is? Do you think it's only because of you know the ability of things to be purchased online, or do you think that there's you know more of a shift coming in retail where it's going to be entirely online? People aren't going to want to go. I, b- I do believe it's both of those. Yeah. People want to shop online, and also I think that the stores haven't adjusted to right. the next generation that's coming in. Right. So when going to something like Sears, like I'm not going there to look at bath towels and a ton of bed sheets and mm-hmm. plates and cutlery and all these different things. It's just, you know, we, we're a minimalistic We culture. are. I really think our oh, generation yeah. is. It's becoming that way. And just to touch on something real quick, because this has not really anything to do with what we're talking about, but you touched on earlier was supply chain. And a lot of the reason that these large companies are having to do that is because their supply chain cannot compete with Amazon. Amazon can guarantee that your package will be there in sometimes 24 hours. These other businesses cannot compete with that. They cannot compete with the shipping just simply because they don't have the supply chain infrastructure for it. So I think that's an interesting point going with what we're talking about, you know, about the retail apocalypse. I mean, I actually think that's right online. So you have a company that can get you product from their warehouse to your doorstep faster and more economical in price than a retailer can. Because right. you go to that retail store, you might not be able to get that product today because they don't mm-hmm. have it or you didn't find it at that store. You're running out of time to go shopping. Now you have to go, but you can't go for another three days because right. you have everyday things to take care exactly. of. Exactly. You don't have time to go uh, It makes complete shop. sense. One thing that I'm really disappointed at that's starting to go extinct, and I think it's just the industry is becoming more narrow and what it has is golf courses. Yeah, you're starting to see a lot more, not just golf courses, but golf communities. You're starting to see a lot more of them kind of go belly up and you see the courses not be taken care of as well. You see, you know, people not playing them quite as much. I think golf as a, as a whole is doing better than it ever has been with PGA and the return of Tiger Woods. But golf courses themselves, I mean, it's an expensive investment from an investment Very standpoint. Expensive. It's a relatively unprofitable investment from an investment standpoint. And it's just absolutely terrible for the environment. <laughs> it's awful for the environment. Those big three, and those are all things that you know millennials are kind of looking at. And I don't know. What do you think else is driving that? I mean, I laugh because when you say it's terrible for the environment, it's one of the <laughs> it's one of the major questions as far as what is going to become next of the of that land right. use. And it's limited because of what's happened to the it's land. It's limited. So you have developers that are out there who are looking to solve this problem. Before I got into real estate, I would look at those empty golf courses and I'd say, oh, just throw a bunch of houses on them, right? Yeah. Slap a bunch if of only houses were on that them. simple. If only were that simple, but you have pesticides and mm-hmm. tons of zoning, density restrictions, yeah, tons of right. soil and dirt that is now contaminated. I mean, I love golf. I have a great time. I do too. I think this will actually cause the golf courses to become nicer or shut down. Right. But I'm going to miss I those $30, right. $30 rounds. Oh, I think you're right. And I think you're going to start to see them. Um, offer more things than golf to try to capture more, you know, parts of the, the market. Like there's a course here, the the Winter Park Nine. Mm-hmm. They do uh, their social media actually has been fantastic recently. They do um, a wine walk where it's twenty five dollars. You get unlimited wine, and they have different like little venue things at each hole, and you get to play. They do night golf where you can go out and play 
um, each of the holes at night. And they just recently did a movie night where you got to play the holes and then at the end on the ninth green, there was a, a big outside projector, they had food trucks and everything like that. So right. I think you're gonna start to see more golf courses do things like that. That's pretty cool. I would really like that. If you head over to Ventura Golf Club, uh, right across the street, they have the batting cages. They do at the Mad Dog Driving Range. Absolutely. I would love to. Okay, so they're not affiliated. No, they're no, not. They're not affiliated. I mean, no, not <laughs> to my good. knowledge. I don't know. Maybe they are. As a kid, man, I loved going on the go on the go karts, bumper boats. Oh yeah. You had driving range, the batting cage courses. We need more fun in our lives, mm -hmm. everybody. We need more fun. Go ahead and comment some fun topics that we could talk about. We're gonna bring you some really interesting stuff in the future as it comes to financial independence, but we wanna keep it light with things like social media and right. of course how millennials are winning, so make sure you let us know what you wanna hear. Yeah, and like we said guys, interact with us. We wanna know what you wanna hear about, we wanna know what you think about our topics and about our show. So thanks so much for listening this morning. Absolutely, make sure that you come hang out with us May 31st at 3 p.m. World of Beer downtown. It's gonna be a meet and greet, Zach Morrison. Matt Smith, Millennial Light, out.